Fox Sports play-by-play announcer and college basketball analyst John Fanta joins me on today's show where we discuss Gonzaga's non-conference schedule. Fanta offers a potential starting lineup many of you may not expect, and we discuss the Big East and Gonzaga's future in the WCC, all right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. I am absolutely thrilled to be joined today on today's episode by John Fanta. John is the play-by-play broadcaster for Fox Sports. He hosts the Big East Shootaround Show, one of college basketball's finest media personalities. So excited you took the time to come onto the show. Thank you. Well, Andy, it's a pleasure to be with you. And covering college basketball is a joy. And it's really cool to see the Zags followers and fans and listeners to your podcast interact mm-hmm. with them here as I've taken on a bit of an expanded role with Fox Sports and look forward mm-hmm. to covering work in Zaga. Mm-hmm. I, I quickly see the passion involved yeah. with this fan base and the brand that Gonzaga basketball has become under Mark Few. So it's a joy to be with you for the first time. Yeah, I, I really appreciate that. It's been, you know, it's, it's one of those things where as a non-football school, obviously Gonzaga has a different kind of fan base in a lot of ways, certainly a more college basketball centric fan base, uh, obviously. Uh, and it's really fun to kind of get to, to interact and obviously to be able to bring on people who who have a, a similar or the same passion for college basketball, because there's a lot of us out there and it's, it's great to get the opportunity to to speak to them. Uh, John, I want to get right into talking about this roster. Uh, I think it's really easy for people to kind of look very quickly at who's gone. Uh, Chet Holmgren, one of the most notable college basketball players of the last half decade or so. Uh, he's out the door. Andrew Nembhard, one of Gonzaga's greatest point guards. He's out the door. Uh, but I think it's important to note who stayed. Three other starters all had the opportunity to leave. Julian Strother very likely would have been drafted. Drew Timmy and Rasir Bolton would have had professional careers potentially for Drew in the NBA. Instead, all three of those guys are back. How surprised were you to see the Zags return those three starters uh, to this program? Well, I wasn't that surprised to see Bolden and Strother come back. I think that mm-hmm. there was a, of a mystery with Drew Timmy, but Drew mm-hmm. Timmy represents everything that's right about college basketball, mm-hmm. Andy, in that he's a great, great college player, and that's not to put him down. But here's mm-hmm. what Drew Timmy can do. He can come back to Gonzaga. He can put the program where this program, frankly, belongs. The last yeah. link, the last link on the ladder that – Zaga basketball has to accomplish in this Mark Fiera of greatness is to win that national championship. Mm-hmm. And they will once again be at the top of contention for that again. He can get paid. Drew Timmy's mm-hmm. going to make a lot of money. He's going yeah. to make seven figures, I would bet you, when it's all said and done by coming back. He's mm-hmm. got the personality. He's got the stash. He's got mm-hmm. the game. So for me, as time went on, I thought Drew Timmy would be coming back to school but yep. then when it, it became a definite, mm-hmm. that's a game changer for Gonzaga's total ceiling, for their brand, for, for everything that they do, because Drew Timmy is one of the most recognizable favorite faces in college basketball. Mm-hmm. I wasn't surprised by Strother and Bolden. To me, Julian Strother 
is a really interesting piece to this puzzle, Andy, because I think he's got an NBA body. Yeah. But I think he's somebody that can come back to school and go from being a guy where you're not totally sure on his draft stock to maybe mm-hmm. being first-round pick here and, and to being a guy that we consider in that category because he's going to take on an increased role. Gonzaga yeah. has done a great job of developing players mm-hmm. and uh, going through an offseason and bringing a kid back and then having him fully come into form. So for me, uh, I, I wasn't surprised by Bolton. I thought Strother had a shot to make it to the league. I'm yeah. glad that he's back because I think if he can improve on the defensive end of the floor, mm-hmm. he's going to a first round pick his shooting ability on the wing is so so strong and too much to pass up but to answer your question i was not surprised mm-hmm. by the attorneys and think about this folks as we talk about gonzaga it bears noting my math i believe is correct 90 and 7 over the last three years 90 wins to seven losses yeah like, and there you bring back three guys that know how to win and you brought in a couple of impact transfers First, Malachi Smith knows what winning looks like. He just yep. did Chattanooga. Gonzaga basketball is in great shape. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love that you mentioned the, the Strother and the development program because I, when Corey Kispert came back to school, I think there was that was a bit of a surprise. In a, in a similar position, he'd played more than Julian has played so far, but he had the opportunity to go pro, chose to come back, boosted his draft stock significantly as a senior. That is uncommon. You don't see a lot of guys do that. It's like Corey Kispert, Desmond Bain are like two of the most notable guys who have done that in recent years. And now you see a guy like Strother somewhat following a similar path. I wonder how much more that's going to happen. Obviously, NIL has a huge part to do with that, the ability of these uh, kids to actually make some money uh, instead of having to decide, do I want to come back and risk you know, things not going as well, but if I can come back, I can make some money. I can you know, win another 30-so games, potentially go back to the – Elite Eight, Final Four, National Championship game. It, it just makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense for these guys to come back. Absolutely. And, and Mark Few has the perfect formula. Mm-hmm. He can not only sell his own kids on the mm-hmm. way that he developed them, but now what you can see from Gonzaga is they're going to cash in in the portal too. Yeah. Because Efton Reed is a great example of this coming from LSU. Mm-hmm. Let's face it, Andy. Efton mm-hmm. Reed came out of high school. He was hyped up. Yes. People- be a one done player. Guess what? Mm-hmm. LSU wasn't the place where that was going to come to fruition. Mm-hmm. But if you're a post player and you want to get better, there's no better place in college basketball to play than Gonzaga. Absolutely. I, I wanted to talk on Reed a little bit. It was, a, it was a great segue because when Gonzaga was exploring the big man market on the transfer portal, it was before we knew what was going on with Drew. And like you said, there was it was really a 50-50. And Drew has admitted, like, I didn't know until the last minute. Like, it was, it was truly up in the air. And so, to me, it wasn't surprising to see some of the really big name transfers like Dawes Amac, like Broom, who went to Auburn. It wasn't surprising to see those guys pass on Gonzaga because – there was a lot of uncertainty, but Reed has the ability to come in. Maybe he was going to start if Drew wasn't there. He's probably not going to start now, but look at what Gonzaga has done developing bigs. I mean, it's been incredible to see uh, Brandon Clark sits out a year. Look what he becomes. Kelly Olenek sits out a year. Look what happens to him. Kyle Wilcher sits out a year. Look what happens to him. Like it's just been this incredible, you know, and Efton Reed may not be those guys, but who's to say he's not going to turn out to be the next great Gonzaga player, especially now that he gets a year to work with Drew Timmy. Well, exactly. Who better to learn from than Timmy? They've got this pipeline and Gonzaga, has used their post players in college mm-hmm. basketball. If you look at usage rates, mm-hmm. they've used their posts 
more than anybody else in the sport over the last five years. And that's why Efton Reed is a Gonzaga Bulldog right now. Now, if you're mm -hmm. Efton Reed, you look at this situation as a prime learning opportunity, but also an opportunity to maybe be the sixth man for this team or yeah. be that guy that comes in off the bench. Because, Andy, we both know it. You can never have enough posts. Yeah. And I think Reed could give them something different. You know, mm -hmm. I, I like his athleticism. I think that they could be able to, to get him to play a, a unique role for their team. So yeah. between the program of learning under Timmy Mm -hmm. And the fact that, let's face it, LSU is not going to was not going to get what Gonzaga can get out of a player. Yep. I'm interested to see just what Efton Reed brings to the table this season, Andy, because I think mm -hmm. he's only scratched the surface yeah. in college basketball. Wanted to move on to a guy who has done a little bit more than Efton Reed in college, but is obviously still new to the Gonzaga program. That's, of course, Malachi Smith. You touched on him a little bit. A winner, a guy who averaged 20 points per game, is probably one of the highest scoring players in college basketball that not a lot of people have heard of, uh, of course, because he played at Chattanooga. Uh, looking at kind of his tape and, and what kind of player he is, it seems to me at least like he's going to be a great fit in this program, but I'm kind of curious what your thoughts are. Well, I think that Malachi Smith is as quality of a transfer ad from mm -hmm. a point of multifaceted playmaking and winning at a high level, mm -hmm. which is not easy to do where he was playing, Chattanooga, mm -hmm. which you're going to find in the portal. The fact is you're talking about a kid who has a terrific amount of athleticism. He's got length, Andy, and he'll mm -hmm. be on the ball. Uh, he, he will take on ownership of playmaking for others. And to be at mm -hmm. his height, to be around six foot six, six foot seven, mm -hmm. and to be able to say here that you're talking about a guy, he averaged 27 and three in mm -hmm. the Southern Conference. And for people who don't know a lot about the Southern Conference, I would tell you all, it is a better league than it gets credit for. Yeah. <laughs> quality teams in that league. You know, there, there are teams that would compete harder against Gonzaga than some of the teams in the back end of the WCC. It's not mm -hmm. an insult. It's a fact. Yeah. And Malachi Smith, he, he is a total package player. He shot 41% from three-point territory last year. So when I look at the tape, I see a guy that's going to inject perimeter mm -hmm. play to yeah. Gonzaga. The key for Malachi is a similar key to that of Strother. Malachi mm -hmm. Smith is going to Gonzaga to learn the fundamentals of defense and how you guard high-level wings and guards. How do you defend? Mm -hmm. That's why Malachi Smith went to Gonzaga. It's an area that he has to work on. I think it's an area that, that they'll get down and dirty with him in the preseason and try to make him a better defender. Mm -hmm. But the offense is present, and the offense is going to translate. If anything, Andy, if anything, Mark Few has a good problem to have with mm -hmm. how he sorts out all of these different ball-handling options. Yeah. I, yeah, and one thing that I've always loved about what the Zags have done, and you look at the two teams that did go to a national championship game, both of them ran significant two-point guard lineups. You had Josh Perkins and Nigel Williams-Goss in 2017. You had Jalen Suggs and Andrew Nembhard in 2021. This year, you have kind of a, a multitude of options there. With You have Malachi Smith. You, of course, have Nolan Hickman coming up. Uh, you have Rasir Bolton, who didn't really play point guard last year, but has played a lot of point guard in his career. Uh, I'm curious, looking at this team, there's, you could argue, nine guys who could reasonably start and who would start for a whole bunch of teams uh, at the Division One level. Do you have any thoughts on, on what you think this lineup might look like? Well, I think that when I take a look at the roster, I, I would go with 
Hickman, mm-hmm. Bolton, Strother. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I think you, you're, Timmy's an obvious, and then you wonder here about uh, what they do. But I, mm-hmm. I would think Anton Watson to start the season. Yeah. And, and part of that is just maybe how Mark Few looks at his rotation and also looks at the value of bringing certain mm-hmm. guys off the bench. Right. Um, not I'm not against Watson at all, but the, right. point, the point stands where I think that that's probably what you're looking at to start the season, that you're going to go yeah. with Hickman, Bolden, Strother, Watson, Timmy. I don't know how you mm-hmm. see it, but that's kind of how I saw it. Yeah, I've I've changed my mind pretty much every week on <laughs> what I think the starting lineup is going to look like. Um, I, I, I did mention recently, I, I do think that a lot of people are assuming Watson will not start, but Mark Few really likes playing his veteran guys. Like that has been a pretty constant in Mark Few's tenure. Like somebody posed this question to me. Do you ever remember a player who was a rotation player for three seasons and didn't start as a senior? Pretty much no, like that doesn't really happen. And obviously the roster has been so talented these last couple of years that it kind of changes things. But yeah, I, I think Watson's probably going to have a starting role, but I ultimately think his actual role, 15, 18 minutes per game, is probably not going to change whether he's starting or not. Yeah, I would have to agree with you on that. And I, I think that, again, we, we get into starting lineups so many mm-hmm. times what a team ends up with is not what they start with. Sure. But I can yeah. see by principle and just by letter of the law, like you said, being a, a veteran guy, I think that, yeah. that Mark Few will likely reward a guy who's been a part of the program rather than someone that's just brand new to the fold, unless sure. it's to the point where it's hurting you in the opening minutes of the game. All right, folks, we're going to come back in the second segment, and John and I are going to discuss Gonzaga's schedule and his thoughts on who should be the preseason number one team. But before we get there, a note from NHTCA. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home, okay? It's not a big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. All right, John, I want to take the conversation a little bit more national. Uh, there's two teams that really seem to be the front runners for that number one overall seed. We know that being the number one seed in October is far less important than being the number one seed in March or certainly the last team standing uh, in April. But right now it seems like a lot of conversations are around Gonzaga, North Carolina. Are those the two teams that you kind of see at the top or is there anybody else kind of in that conversation at this point? Well, I do think, Andy, that that Houston, as a result yeah. of being in the American and yeah. not being in one of the power leagues, I think that they don't get enough credit. I think that that team deserves to be mm-hmm. third because yeah. Marcus Sasser and Traymon Mark uh, mm-hmm. and Jarris Walker are just they're, – they're big-time talents. Walker, a, a nice addition here for Houston. And Reggie Chaney, mm-hmm. as well, at the center position, should be a guy who, who only – continues to evolve as a player. So I look at Houston and I see a team that I think is going to be dangerous. 
I think mm-hmm. uh, they made some quality pickups. They brought in Miley Wilson from Texas Tech. And Jamal mm-hmm. Sheed as a lead guard is somebody who, who should be able to perform. So that would be the third team. But for me, Andy Patton, <laughs> Gonzaga is my preseason number one. All right. I will say that because I think Gonzaga is deeper. Mm-hmm. I think North Carolina losing a, a player as strong as Brady Manick, as much as they bring mm-hmm. the majority of their of their con- contributors back from last year, and they mm-hmm. added Pete Nance, mm-hmm. North Carolina's bench is mm-hmm. not that of Gonzaga's. Mm-hmm. And I also like Gonzaga's versatility. I like yeah. the way that they can guard you. I like mm-hmm. the fact that they're long. I, I love mm-hmm. Strother's length. Uh, mm-hmm. I-, I look at this team, and I think that their guard play, I, I expect both Bolden and Hickman to only keep growing. And yeah. I look at that the front court, Reed to me is such an X factor to this equation because just how good will he be for this team? Mm-hmm. But Gonzaga to me has a slight depth advantage. And mm-hmm. Andy, we always go with this dynamic in college basketball, okay? Mm-hmm. Am I going to wager on getting red hot in March, which totally respect? Yep. Or am I going to wager on 90 and 7 over the last three years? And just because they haven't been the national champion doesn't mean they're still not the best right. in sport in the regular season. So mm-hmm. Gonzaga to me is where I lean at number one. I, I love it. I totally understand. I, I'm curious because the North Carolina thing, like <laughs> some people are so excited about the program and it feels like we're doing almost the exact same thing we did with UCLA a few years ago, where UCLA certainly was was a play in 11 seed as opposed to being an eight seed like North yep. Carolina was, but still went on this really magical run, returned basically everybody and then kind of didn't have as much of a good year the next year. They were still good. I think they were a four seed last year, if I remember correctly. So far from bad, but didn't quite live up to those expectations. I kind of get a little bit of a similar sense. I think Pete Nance is, is a really nice addition for North Carolina, obviously. Uh, and I, Brady Manick is a tough loss too, though. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how that how that shakes out for these two teams. But I wish they were playing each other. But the good news is Gonzaga is playing just about every other good team that exists in the non-conference this year. Uh, we got Baylor. We got Michigan State. We got Texas. We got Kentucky. We got Alabama. That doesn't even count the PK-85, which should include some excellent games as well. Uh, Mark Few has never been afraid to challenge himself and to put the toughest games on the calendar. What do you think of this non-conference schedule for the Zags? It's sensational, and it's a direct credit to the head coach of the program who continually challenges his teams and realizes that he needs to. Gonzaga, Mm -hmm. as a a program in the scheduling department, gets an A+, just Mm -hmm. like of the categories with the exception of being able to have the breakthrough when it matters most right. and I know people have their narratives but mm-hmm. I'll sit here and say don't let the narrative defeat mm-hmm. the other things that this program has done and what, what Mark Few has done is he's set up this program to be ready for what they see in March albeit a little bit early I mm-hmm. understand that the games aren't necessarily coming in January and February although Mm-hmm. The WCC has evolved as a league. There are programs that have gotten better. There's more mm-hmm. competition in that conference. So you can both understand that and understand the fact that in the games that he controls mm-hmm. or has much control as he can have over, right. they're figuring out ways to schedule. I love the fact that they're playing Kentucky. I wish it were at the kennel, mm-hmm. but John Calipari's not going to not gonna do that. He, they're yeah. Kentucky. We can get into a longer discussion about that. 
it's not surprising <laughs> it's happened before. The yeah. fact that Baylor is matching up with them in South Dakota, it's mm-hmm. one of the best games on the calendar. Baylor yeah. should be a top 10 team in the country. Scott Drew has done a remarkable job with that program. They just they struggled at the end of last year, and injuries caught up to them. Mm-hmm. They're going to be better, going to be rolling. Michigan State on an aircraft, great for college basketball. It, mm-hmm. like that, that's really, really special that, mm-hmm. that the two programs are getting together and doing that. So, and look, the PK, mm-hmm. I mean, hey, I, I expect Gonzaga to be in a place where they're competing for the championship in that event. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a terrific, loaded event. The, the non-conference schedule checks out as much as it possibly could, Andy. It's going to be interesting to see how this team handles it because – like you said, you Andrew Nemhard is gone, mm-hmm. and and this is a, a team that has some guys that are going to be asked to take on bigger roles. A team yeah. that that has some depth, but you still got to have your solid five at the end of these mm-hmm. games early in the season. And let's face it, Andy, for these for Gonzaga, these games mean more early in the season for them when they're facing Baylor and Michigan State. Not to put it on on them too much, but let's face it. Gonzaga's game against Baylor means more for Gonzaga than it does against Baylor. And I know people would say, what are you talking about? What I'm talking about is Baylor competes in a league that could have three other big, three other top 10 teams. Yeah. This Kansas and TCU with them at some point in the season for Gonzaga, mm-hmm. these are precious opportunities. Ones mm-hmm. that they have salvaged the last couple of years, but they once again will be put to the test this season. Absolutely. Uh, one thing I love about this schedule that is a little bit unique from other schedules, uh, at least I think from from looking back in previous schedules, is they seem to be trying to play some of these high-end games closer together, which is something that I've wanted to see the staff do for a really long time of like, it's great to play five or six really good non-conference games, but when you do that over the entire length of the schedule and you have none of them are within three, four or five days of each other. It doesn't quite replicate March. It's impossible to fully replicate March. Uh, and the Zags are at a disadvantage in the sense that January and February is less competitive than it is for power five programs. That's not a secret or a uh, insult or anything. It's just, again, like you said, it's just a fact, but here we're seeing, I think Texas and Michigan state are within five days of each other. I think the PK 85 is within four days of the Baylor game. Like they're going to, they're just going to hammer it hard. We're going to hit all of these really tough games back to back to back. To me, if you're talking about the team, a team that has as much depth as Gonzaga, Murphy's going to have to use it. And I think that that's to me, perhaps the most important thing that could come out of this non-conference schedule in terms of preparing this team for March. And that game is at Texas. That's a true mm-hmm. road game. Yeah. In a brand new arena mm-hmm. that's right on the center of Texas's campus. And I talked with Chris Beard this past week. And Andy Beard, being a Texas alum, he's mm-hmm. running with everything with the basketball yeah. program right now. Let's face it, you could say Texas football is back. We've been saying mm-hmm. that for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, Texas fans, those followers, they need injection of energy with the program that wins. Mm-hmm. You know, it had been a while since Texas had even run an NCAA tournament game until last March. I think Beard's just getting started there. And mm-hmm. when you think about what they've got coming back uh, with yeah. with Marcus Carr and Allen and Christian Bishop, and then mm-hmm. who they've added. I mean, uh, Tyrese Hunter, bringing him in from Iowa State, that's a fascinating mm-hmm. matchup in the backcourt there. That's a great test, a mm-hmm. great test for Gonzaga's guards on a true road stage. I love that those two programs are getting together. And, and I think when you look at some of these 
some of these games. Don't take that one any lightly yeah. or any more lightly than you might another because mm-hmm. Texas could be a top 10 team in the country this year. I'm not sure if they will be, but they could be. The point stands, though. This is a loaded schedule. It's a great schedule for the Zags. And I'm with you. You're going to face <laughs> two great teams in three days in the NCAA tournament. So yep. you've yep. got to try to simulate that as much as you possibly yep. can. This is not we're at BYU. And then we're facing that other WCC team on a weekend or a couple of days in between. Yeah. This is heavy hitters. They need that to be fully ready. Yep, absolutely. Uh, I'm lo- I love that you mentioned Texas because I definitely think a lot of the fan base is not looking at that game as closely because Gonzaga blew the doors off of Texas last year. And that was a, a highly anticipated matchup, obviously, two top, I think they were top 10, definitely top 20 teams yeah. at the time. Uh, and the the no middle defense did not work against Drew Timmy. Uh, I think he had 37 in that game, but certainly I, I like you, I expect Texas is going to be a lot more ready for this game, especially uh, out there uh, in Texas. Yeah, in a new building. So yeah. that crowd should be electric. That's yeah. a tall test, and they're going to be out for revenge. But I love the schedule. And another mm-hmm. credit to few, you know, I know I'm waxing poetic about him, Andy, and mm-hmm. I know I'm waxing about the program. But to me, like, I think it's such a stale narrative when people talk about what Gonzaga hasn't done. And yeah. I, we all know what they have to do. But yeah. but college basketball carries variance in March. It just mm-hmm. does. Yeah. That yeah. being said, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Yeah. These I, I hope you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, all right. Closing out today's show with John discussing conference realignment and the Big East rumors, as well as some thoughts on the future of the WCC. But before we get there, I want to tell you all about Bet Online. College basketball may be deep into the offseason, but the MLB, WNBA, and MLS seasons are heating up into the end of the summer months. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. They even have lines for coaching changes across every major sport, so even in the offseason, you can get your fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. I, w- I will say, though, John, um, I know the narrative about Gonzaga. What, what's interesting to me about it is that it seems to be that because they haven't won a championship, the narrative is that they, they fail in March. And I understand that like, if you're if you're grading the national championship as a pass fail, then, yes, obviously they have failed. But we're talking about a team that's gone to seven straight sweet 16s. Nobody else has a streak like that right now. Uh, we're talking about a team that's gone to two of the last five national championship games. Like this is not a team that has failed in March. They just haven't quite reached the absolute echelon. And I think that that's so interesting to me and, and kind of leads into the next topic that I wanted to talk about, which is uh, as you, you know, you may have heard about conference realignment. It's only been the entire talking point of all of college sports for the last few months, but uh, hasn't really impacted basketball all of that much. Certainly Gonzaga is, is kind of a part of those conversations. Uh, but I, my main question to you, John, is just looking at a team that 
has had the amount of success that they have had, but has also not quite reached what, you know, their ultimate goal. Do you think that Gonzaga is in a position where they really need to make a move or can they be kind of picky and choosy and kind of wait and see how, how this all shakes out? So I think that they need to make a move, Andy, but mm-hmm. I also think they can be picky and choosy. Sure. So the answer is both. Yeah. Uh, but I think, I think the first option of your question is needing to make a move. It's got to be a priority here of Gonzaga mm-hmm. because let's face it, they are one of the best programs in the country, if not the mm-hmm. best program yeah. in America with how well they're run right now, with everything they've got going for them, and, and the fact that they just have literally one missing piece. It's not been an inability to make a deep march run. They've done that. It's just been to, to win that game. Mm-hmm. For me, I think that with everything that's changing and with the SEC and the Big Ten swallowing up so much, yeah. Yeah. as a basketball powerhouse, you have to position yourself at the big boy table. Mm-hmm. You do not want to get lost because you're in a league that doesn't get respected during mm-hmm. a time, Andy, where league profile and league respect is only becoming more and yep. more meaningful. And so are television dollars. Mm-hmm. The key with Gonzaga is this. It's not basketball. Mm-hmm. I think if, if we were talking basketball only, I think they might be in another league already or heading to a different league. Sure. The key element with Gonzaga is if they join a conference, the geographic footprint is unique. Yeah. And the travel of volleyball, baseball, Mm -hmm. name those Olympic sports. Yep. That becomes a a bit of a hurdle, a big hurdle, especially, especially for schools who don't have money on trees. Yep. in the SEC and the Big Ten that are so football-driven. So that's the key logistical hurdle wherever Gonzaga goes because Gonzaga is not bringing value in the most valuable department, and that is football. Yeah. (laughs) But they do need to make some sort of a move. Yeah. it's funny to me because one thing that has come up a lot when when I've had conversations around conference realignment is, is the idea of like, well, can Gonzaga just take the basketball programs and jump to, you know, the Big East or somewhere else and right. leave the rest of the sports in the WCC? And I'm like, look, I have spoken to Gloria Navarre as the commissioner of the WCC. She's a wonderful person, but they're not going to do that. Like, why would they, they agree to keep all of Gonzaga's non-money-making sports and let them take the biggest moneymaker the WCC has ever seen and just depart with it. They're not going to, yeah. I don't see any reason that they would do that. And then like, well, what if we just move the rest of the sports to another conference? Like, could you imagine trying to go to the baseball coach and saying, Hey, you're in the big sky now. Like that's not, it's just, it doesn't work. It doesn't, no, I, I, to it, me, there's it, a huge hurdle. No, it's a huge hurdle. It doesn't work that way. And yeah. And I know someone might say, well, it doesn't matter. Those sports, right. they don't matter, folks. <laughs> they do matter. <laughs> and the very structure mm-hmm. of an athletic department and building mm-hmm. at, at, at Gonzaga, mm-hmm. not only do the wheels, do the trucks roll, at, at, you know, day and night, do the, do the wheels roll on a department hinging on basketball, yeah. but the fact is, Andy, all of the things that are in place, archaic or not, in yeah, college yeah. sports, are in place for a reason. And when you threaten the structure, yeah, 
and start to toil with the Olympic sports, you're then threatening with departments, Mm -hmm. people's jobs, administrators, all that. So I always say like in college sports, when people Mm -hmm. say time of crisis or, or it took forever for NIL. Yeah. (laughs) Conference realignment's the same way. If you're a billion dollar industry Mm -hmm. or or organization, if it ain't broke, you'll (laughs) see it. Yep. So the money that you are making, Gonzaga and the WCC are married because the WCC benefits off Gonzaga basketball success. Yep. Gonzaga has to make a decision at some point. Is Mm -hmm. that, are they content with that and who they are? Or are they willing, are they willing to go through logistical hurdles and sell a conference on Mm -hmm. those hurdles? Yep. By saying the money, brand, revenue we bring in off our basketball program trumps all the other things you're thinking about, which is the very reason why USC and UCLA are in the Big Ten. Yep, absolutely. Uh, That's a good segue to my final question for you, John, which is about the WCC. Uh, I agree with you that Gonzaga obviously needs to, to make some moves here, and I have been a big champion of the WCC on this podcast. I will remain a big champion of the WCC. Randy Bennett has done an extraordinary job at St. Mary's. I was going to say love him or hate him, but to the people listening to the show, it's it's mostly the second one and that's understandable, Uh, but they've done an incredible job. Obviously Todd Golden did a fantastic job at San Francisco before he took that job at Florida, which is a tremendous accomplishment for him. Uh, But now we're looking at a conference with, without Todd Golden uh, and soon to be without BYU uh, we've seen some other programs take steps forward. I think Herb Sendek did a phenomenal job with Santa Clara last year, but look at how much talent they just lost. Uh, Shantae Leggins did a great job at Portland, but they're still a long ways away. So looking at the future of the WCC, regard, like taking Gonzaga out of the equation because their future is uncertain as well, is, do you think this conference has some sustainable power or is it really kind of, kind of where are we at with that conference, I guess? Well, the, the sustainable power lies in Gonzaga. Yeah. Whether or not they sustain, it, it, it depends on Gonzaga. The fact is these other programs just don't carry the same weight. And with BYU mm-hmm. and the Big 12, which I actually think the Big 12, I think the Big 12 is already the best conference in college basketball, and mm-hmm. they just got better with the brands they're in. I mean, yeah. if you look at the programs that they have coming in, the fact that Houston's going to be in that league is ridiculous. Yeah. The fact that BYU – and, and let me tell you something. Cincinnati is a mm-hmm. is a hidden gem of a program that has not been what they were at one point. They're mm-hmm. gonna uh, West Miller's gonna get them going. I, yeah. I really believe that. That said, going back to your question, the answer is Andy, probably not. I mean, yeah. I'd like to sit here and say yes, mm-hmm. but I got to be bluntly honest and say it depends on Gonzaga and the cards yeah. that they play. And what we might see is these these. What I want more than anything in college basketball, and and this is this is not hinging on what Gonzaga does. Mm-hmm. My plea to the powers that be, and I wrote a column on this last week. Yeah, don't mess with the greatest event in sports. Don't, <laughs> you're already messing with the sport by by yeah. realignment, and I understand why, and I get it. It's a business. You're making mm-hmm. business decisions. But the WCC of Gonzaga left Andy. They're not going to have staying power. They're going to yeah. be at the level. They're going to be at the level that, you know, that, that a mid-major, but but could be going the other direction. They're not trending towards a high major. They could be trending towards, yeah. they're going to be the SOCON out west. Or the, yeah. Maybe. maybe. So yeah. it's, it's going to be harder because 
when Gonzaga leaves, part of the recruiting pitch is you get to play against Gonzaga. Yeah, absolutely. You take them out, it, it, it does hurt the league. So mm-hmm. the answer is no. The answer is the WCC success is dependent on Gonzaga, especially with BYU leaving. Mm-hmm. John, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to come on the show. I uh, could have probably talked to you for hours and hours. Probably could have done a whole show just talking about John Calipari. I don't know if people would have liked that. I would have enjoyed it. <laughs> but, uh, I, again, I really appreciate you taking the time. Well, I appreciate you having me, Andy. And I, I will clarify on this pod what I've yet to clarify on our Field of 68 pod. Mm-hmm. I think John Calipari's had a terrific, terrific, terrific summer. Nobody's won the yeah. summer more yeah. than he has. But, but you got to, in this sport, it's, it's both the beautiful thing and the harsh thing. It's what have you done for me lately in one month a year. And whether it's Gonzaga or Kentucky or anybody in this sport, that is the reality of the situation. And it's why, as we near the upcoming campaign, I'm really excited because I think that once again, there will prove to be a number of different teams that could cut down the nets in April in Houston. All right, folks, that is going to do it for me today. Thanks again to John Fanta for joining me on the show. Don't forget to check out my written content at scorezagscore.com. One more episode later this week where I will be making some bold predictions for the upcoming season right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube as well. Check it out there if you haven't yet. And finally, thank you again to those of you who have made Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. Locked On WCC doesn't exist yet. There's no Locked On Big East yet. Sorry, John. But you can get more informed on the West Coast happenings by making Locked On Pac-12 your second listen of the day. Host Spencer McLaughlin and the local experts of Locked On take you across the Pac-12 in 30 minutes, five times per week. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags.